Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey. I just love the fact that every time he comes on, you get insight about stuff that you don't know. Judd Zolgad. Every time he's just full of insight. He's, he's kind of an open book. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd. Twins, it's 5 o'clock first pitch today in Pittsburgh, correct? Yeah, 5, 5 o'clock. o'clock. Yep. So, it's weird start times early in the year. And then you get games like there was a night game... Was it uh, the Mets playing a night game yesterday? Like, it's snowing. Just why are you not playing at 3 o'clock? If it's going to be 30 degrees, you might as well take advantage of, like, the peak temperature of the day by playing earlier. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, Pittsburgh, why why not play a 3 o'clock game? Why is it a 5 o'clock game? I honestly or think... 6 o'clock local time. I think they tried to avoid them um, starting as soon as possible for one reason. Because the regional sports networks that pay so much want you to start later in the day. Because more people watch. Yes. Yeah, for sure. That's why. Makes sense. Although a lot of people are going to play hooky early in the season to watch games. Oh, and, like, at least. People are gathered around TVs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Kelly is a regular on the ride with Royce. Great storyteller, you know, legendary Minnesota baseball figure, obviously. Let's play a couple clips from him. Let's start with this one. This is TK talking about... they. I think Reaver set up the question in sort of a, you know mistakes that you've made. Gabe Kapler had a pitcher come into a game who hadn't warmed up. And so the question was sort of, what are some mistakes that you might have made? And he had a couple different anecdotes here. This is like a minute and a half clip. I'm sure you've made a few mistakes that you yeah. look back on. Oh, but for sure. Have, I, don't I know if can he's... go to the World Series and point a few out. <laughs> I, don't I know if put he's... the hit and run on with Kirby Puckett up with, against uh, uh, the left-hander from Atlanta. Uh, and, and, of course, Puck swung. And hit the ball right on the third base, and the and the fielder tagged third, and, and Pedalton, I think it was, yeah. tagged third and threw the first double play. How, you know how stupid was that? If I leave it alone, it would have been a double. But no, I got to start the runners, and 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 so the the, the fielder goes over to cover the bag, and here's the ball. You know. Well, you know. where I was going with the TK was no, I, don't I think... made plenty. Go ahead. <laughs> what happened in Philadelphia? Have you ever brought in a relief pitcher who hadn't warmed up like Gabe Kapler did the other yes, day? Yes. You have. Yeah, I did. We made. Two trips. I went out to the mound in Kansas City and let Eddie Guardardo get. I blasted him and uh, came back off. And about three or four hitters later, Such went and ran out. And I went, ah! And he went out, and that was the second trip. So we had to take him out. We had nobody warmed up. And we had to bring in Klingenbeck. Uh oh. You know, 
That's a shame. <laughs> uh, he, you know, I had to bring Klingon back in because we we sort of screwed up and, and made two trips because uh, I was a dumbass and ran out there the first time because I was sort of pissy about something. Uh-huh. And and uh, so it was my fault eventually. <laughs> okay. Just a drive-by. He drives the bus over Scott Klingenbeck. Silence. Backs over Scott Klingenbeck again. That's a shame. <laughs> the greatest. That's a shame. The greatest part is he says Klingenbeck's name and Royce, he's like, uh-oh. And that's silence. He, silence. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was my you know, favorite part. Tom Kelly and Dick Such in the mid to late 90s wore out a path back and forth, though, for some of those pitching changes. We can't blame them. Man. With the garbage they were given to work with. Yeah. Uh, this is Tom Kelly sort of disagreeing a little bit, taking, he's not like blasting Paul Molitor here, but. The question from Patrick was as simple as, what do you think of the lineup? Okay, this is Tom Kelly. Well, that's, I'm, uh, let's face it, a dinosaur when it comes to those things. Uh, you know, I like the best hitter hitting third, and, uh, sort of a power guy fourth, and somebody that can run first, and. You know, then you mix and match the best you can as you go. But, uh, you know, it's certainly different. Paul's marched up quite a few lefties in a row the first day or two against the righties. And uh, I was sort of thought we were a little vulnerable if it got later in the game and somebody would bring in a lefty that's somewhat talented. I thought we were might be caught a little bit. Uh it certainly hasn't played out like that at all. So, uh, so far, so good. And I'm, I'm sure, Pat, they got those, the metric things and, and tell you who's supposed to hit certain spots and this and that. So I have to sort of bite my tongue when it comes to that. But, you know, I would probably try to restructure it a little bit different. <laughs> so I love that. That's amazing. I do think that if your if your main worry about stacking lefties in a lineup is well later in the game it's possible that a lefty would come in and mow you down. Right. But if you could take advantage of a right-handed pitcher in the first four or five innings, like that would outweigh the fear of a left-handed pitcher coming in later in the game and mowing through your order. And having a guy like Grossman that you can bring in as a switch hitter yeah. to replace somebody too is so an advantage. So if you think about the tweaks that Tom Kelly would make, it's pretty simple, right? Byron Buxton would bat first. What do you? I think he'd bat first. Yeah, I think with that, I think he's raw enough, but still has that speed that you'd hit him first. Hmm. I think you'd hit Mauer third for sure. I think you'd hit Snow fourth. Or would he hit Do- or would he hit Dozier third? What would what would a Tom Kelly lineup look like? You know, I don't know about Buxton. You know who who would hit. Who would hit second? I'm pretty sure Buxton would hit first. Because TK, I mean, TK might be a, a a dinosaur, as he proclaimed, but he never put the swing and miss guy. Speed is one thing, but I think he had an appreciation, too, for a guy who can put the ball in play at the top of the order. Mm-hmm. And Byron Buxton's not a guy who puts the ball in play very often relative to the rest of his. But who would be the classic, other than Buxton, the classic leadoff hitter yeah, in this that's lineup? I mean, that's, really, there, that's is, there really saying. isn't there one. Is not, right? not one Jorge yeah. Polanco would be the closest thing because he doesn't strike out very often and he's got some speed. He's not a big stolen base guy. If he hit Buxton first and Maurer third and Sano probably fourth, who would he bat second? Well, Dozier would have to bat second. Dozier then. second? Okay. Yeah. Although a lot of, this is what 
bugged me so much about garden hire lineup. So you just put an automatic out in the two hole, but it was a guy who didn't strike out very often. It was a you can move the guys over Matt Tolbert to Lexi Casilla. He'd, he'd battle his tail off and move the, the guy who got on over. If the guy, if the leadoff hitter on the rare occasion he doubled, doubled, he'd, he'd move hey, over. That's that Alexi Casilla is going to move him to third base. But yeah, I mean, it, I guess at some point it would be awesome if Buxton proved that he was, you know, more of a consistent hitter and a guy who could get on base on a more regular basis. Then you'd put him number one for sure. Yep. And and then Dozier could bat second in the order, and he's got some some wheels too. Maybe this happens later in the year. Now you've got two two guys who can hit for some power, who've got some speed, and then you get into the Mauer, right? You know, the rest of them, Rosario, uh, Miguel Sano. Like Dave and I were talking before the show too. Miguel Sano, if you took away his name and what you thought he could eventually become, and he was just player A, and he strikes out all the time. And once in a while, he hit a home run, but he mostly just strikes out and will hit towering fly balls. Probably wouldn't have him batting third or fourth in the order, right? Like, you might move him maybe fourth, fifth, sixth in the I order. I think fourth or fifth, probably. I'd have so much less of a problem if he was even fourth than third. I just, I hate the idea of you're hoping either Dozier or Maurer gets on base. So let's say one of them gets on, you've got one out in the inning. I hate the fact that you've got a 36% strikeout rate guy, then... You know, basically a strikeout waiting to happen, then giving you two outs in the inning yeah. instead of someone who's either at least going to move the runner, if not get a get a base hit. Now, if he's hitting fourth, you know you're looking at maybe one on two outs. He strikes out, man, not a big deal. If he grounds the third base, uh, the inning's over anyway. So, give him a chance to hit a long ball then with two outs instead of uh, having one out and striking out and giving yourself two. I think in TK's world, Mauer bats third every game. So yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. Yeah, he I mean he's a he's a leadoff hitter without the without the speed, which TK loves. Or does Maurer? I mean, do you put a guy like Kepler third? See, Kepler against a I mean Kepler against right-handed pitching, you could put him anywhere near the top of the order, and I'd be fine with it. Yeah, he he puts the ball in play more often and with authority. Uh, he hits for extra base power. You know, the Twins have a fighting chance to lead the major leagues in strikeouts. Like Miguel Sano playing a full season, Logan Morrison's going to strike out 180 plus times. I'd be saying something. In 2018. Byron Buxton's going to strike out yeah. 200 times. That'd be impressive. They might have three. What? Uh, what? Uh, what's the major league record for number of 200 strikeout hitters in one season on one team? <laughs> like the Brewers had a team with Richie Sexton and uh, Hernandez, Jose Hernandez, with their shortstop. <laughs> yes, they did. The Twins have a fighting chance. Buxton could strike out 200 times. Sano, Logan Morrison. I mean, Eddie Rosario cut down on the strikeouts, but he could strike out 175 times, too. They're going to score a bunch of runs, but they're going to frustrate you with the strikeouts for sure. Um, let's uh, let's come back here and get a little preview of getting, the Masters. Are, are we going Masters? In fact, Mike Tirico is sitting with a nice little checkered suit here. Yeah, on he's with the Golf Channel. channel. Golf yes. Channel is important stuff. Uh, would you like to do this next prime mortgage lending ad in master's tones, or are you just going to do it? I can. It's up to you. Hello, friends. Oh, you know what? I can't do it. So I do want, want to talk to you about my friends at Prime, and if you're looking for a mortgage company, Prime and Kent McCullough, and here's what I want to tell you, and I'm going to tell you this loud and clear. I'm not going to whisper. This isn't about simply selling you on something. Prime wants to earn your trust. In fact, they would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. That's too good to whisper because it's true and it should intrigue you. 
What does this mean, you say? It means that while Prime would love to have you as a client, they want to meet with you first. They want to explain their plan, and then the decision is up to you. This is about a couple of key words here. Teamwork and collaboration It's what Prime is all about. It's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. For instance, Prime wants to take some of the mystery out of the mortgage process for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing cost? Not just include them in your loan, but actually pay them for you. And right now you're saying, well, Judd, that sounds fantastic, but where do I go to find out more about Prime and Kent? I'm going to give you the website, goprimewithkent.com, goprimewithkent.com, goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T.com. Back with Masters Talk after this. Mackie and Judd are back. I've been waiting for this for a long time. On 1500 ESPN. Yeah, I think uh, last year was incredible, uh, amazing, you know, to win the green jacket, you know, I think. <laughs> It's incredible, you know, but I, you know, I come back this year, uh, all I hear about is Tiger. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. If I hear Tiger one more time. Conditions are really tough out there. Really, really, really <laughs> tough. But, uh, you know, I thought I played well. I really did. And, you know, I can't wait for the weekend. I feel good. I really do. Ah, that's amazing. Yes. What was the name of that comedian again, Dave? Connor Moore. I think I may have said Colin earlier. It is Connor Moore. <laughs> Connor Moore. I love At yes. Moore Sketches on Twitter. Yes. That is. The Sergio is thing is so quite good. Quite funny. Uh, we are watching the pretentious pregame coverage of The Masters. What's on the Golf Channel? On Golf Channel. Mike Tirico in a checkered suit. And golf guy Nick Peters now at Boulder Point. Welcome to the show, golf guy from Boulder Point. How are you? Gentlemen, how are you? Um, what are the conditions like today at Boulder Point? Is uh, um, it's really white. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of hoping for some golf weather here. Like once the temperatures went into the 40s in the middle of March, like oh, we might be able to. Uh-uh. No, uh, no. So this has a chance to be, on paper, anyways, one of the most exciting convergences of of talent from the past. Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods. And all these top superstar names that now, like Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy is playing at a high level, Justin Thomas. Just in general, how excited are you compared to other majors and other masters for this upcoming uh, weekend? You know, it, it's been a really long time since I've looked forward to the masters as much. Obviously, we all look forward to the masters. It's kind of around these parts, it's usually kind of a, a sign of spring and the, the real kickoff to the golf season. Um, we obviously know that that's not really happening anytime soon here, but yeah, it, it, it's crazy how having guys like Woods and Mickelson, who obviously are kind of on the not the not the downside of their career, but kind of maybe the backside of their career on the PGA Tour, um, going up against all these young guys. And the great thing about Augusta is it, it, it doesn't really eliminate certain guys from the field just because it's, you know it's a major tournament that plays really difficult. Everybody has a chance that can play well and putt well around this place. So it, it's great that the guys that are you know, 42, 46, 47 years old can compete with the guys that are 24 and 25 and, and not be afraid to go up against those guys because of their distance as opposed to, you know, the, the things that the old guys sometimes lack. As a guy, Nick, Nick who loves golf, uh, can there ever be such a thing as too much Tiger? It, it's funny you bring that up because that was one of the things I mentioned to you earlier. Um, yeah, you know, as big as the Tiger Woods guy as I am, and Phil, I know you're a, you're a huge Tiger guy too, it gets kind of nauseating sometimes that they're, non-stop bringing up Tiger, no matter what they're talking about, somehow somehow they figure a way to work Tiger into it, and they non-stop talk Tiger. They, they show Tiger, no matter how good or how bad of a shot it is. I understand they have people you know that are watching simply because of the fact that Tiger Woods is playing, but 
there's still such a large faction of the people that are watching on TV that want to actually see golf and see the golf tournament that you have to mix in some of those guys. See some events that tell you know, the what couple, the first couple that Tiger came back in, you know, they showed every single shot of his, no matter what. And it seemed like you didn't even see any of the leaders on Sunday when Tiger was playing. And it was kind of one of those things where it's like, can we just see a little bit of golf besides Tiger every single time? So I completely disagree. I want not only every shot, but I just want like picture in picture of Tiger. If he goes to the porta potty, like I need to see him walking to the porta potty. But it is funny when you do watch, there was a tournament, I think it was his second tournament back. And it was the same thing you were describing, Nick, where it's just like, it's every Tiger shot, it's Tiger talking with his caddy. And you look at the second page of the leaderboard, and it was like, wait, Jason Day's in this tournament too? There was like two or three star players in the top 30 world rankings that are household names that they had yet to show a shot of. Sergio Sergio Garcia took the lead in a tournament like a month ago, and they didn't show a single Sergio Garcia shot for the first three days and the, and the front nine. And all of a sudden, oh, yeah, by the way, Sergio is like 14 under now and six under for the day. I know we've been watching mostly Tiger Woods here, so... It is, but right. but the ratings would suggest that it still moves the needle after 20 years. It's crazy. It, it, it is, and I, I think you can't even take that one step farther. And I don't know if you pay attention to these these type of details when you're watching golf, but isn't it funny when they show the leaderboards? And most times they just show the first page, and they maybe will scroll to the second page as they're doing their full screen leaderboard. But the, when Tiger's playing, if he's you know back in the field on a Thursday or Friday, they scroll through like five or six pages of that leaderboard yeah. just to get his name on the screen. It's kind of funny to watch. Or or when they're showing just the corner right leaderboard on the screen, and they might show like, okay, who's in the top four, top five right now? But for Tiger Woods, it's like if he's in nineteenth place, it'll just be like the full right side of the screen scrolling all the way down. <laughs> just to get yeah, his name it, on it, there. It's very funny. So can he can he win? Like I mean, he's like how many times out of out of ten or out of a hundred does Tiger Woods win the Masters this weekend? Do you think? I, I would probably put it at six or seven out of out of ten times. I feel like he, Whoa. Would, he would win. Really? Only, only because of only because of the fact that you know I was one of those people that just never would go away from the, the Tigers. Every time he came back and played, it was like, oh, Tigers back, Tigers back. And I was just because of that, you know, that's my that's my fandom. And I grew up watching him, and it's the greatest thing that has happened to golf, obviously. But I, I think if you really look into it and you can see how he's progressed from when he came back that first, the first time on this comeback, the first event was, you know, a little bit rusty. He missed a cut at Riviera, um, and he, he saw a lot of flaws in his game. But the last couple weeks, you know, he at the top five finishes at Valspar and, and the Arnold Palmer, you could tell that he's put everything together and he's kind of got that that flair for the dramatic a little bit is back. And you know that there's certain putts that when he, he's over them, he's going to make them. And it, it just seems like he's he's actually really back this time and he can put it all together and make a run at this title. So who's being slept on because of all the you know talk and coverage of Tiger, Nick? Who is uh, what group of golfers are, are we probably not focusing on that we should be? I, th- I think the biggest guy for me, and it's not that he's being slept on because you hear his name every once in a while mentioned when they they stop talking about Tiger and Phil. Um, Justin Rose. I mean, th- this guy has the most birdies and eagles combined at Augusta since 2012. He hits the most greens in the last five years the best scoring average on par fours and par fives in the last five years, and he's the most under par since 2011. So this guy's done it all right, and I think he, he's finally going to put it together and, and get that win this week. What does your perfect Sunday afternoon look like as it pertains to the to the Masters? I mean, I, I think we can all agree have, having guys like, you know, Jordan and Justin Thomas and, you know, even like a Jason Day and a John Rahm in the mix on Sunday, 
is going to be great. But I would not love nothing better than to see Phil and Tiger coming down the 18th fairway on Sunday battling it out. Yeah. I mean, I, I know some people will be like, oh, that's, you know, that's the easy way out, and that's the that's the thing that everybody's going to say. But how cool would it be to see Phil to have a chance to win the Masters and break the the record that Jack Nicklaus holds as the oldest person to win the Masters, and then I mean, what better way to do it than beating Tiger Woods, right? That would be that would be amazing. And you brought up something too. And I was I was like a year old in 1986. I don't I don't remember Jack Nicklaus winning the Masters when he was 46 years old. But as it was sort of framed, and Judd, maybe you can speak to this. You know, Nicholas was not expected to really compete much, and it wasn't his son on the bag for uh, you know for caddy duties that week. Because mm-hmm. when you're 46 years old in the 80s, you're really it's oh it's, yeah, you were washed you up. No, by then. no chance, right? And now, I mean, like you said, Nick, Phil Mickelson is one of the top players in the world still at the same age as old, decrepit 46 year old Jack Nicholas was with that magical run older. in 1986, right? And so it's, I mean, obviously athletes are training differently and, and nutrition is a, is a different factor. So it's not that shocking that golfers would be better at a later age than 30 years ago. But that's, it's very intriguing in the way that we perceive Mickelson and Jack Nicholas different eras. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think the, the technology and the golf ball speaks volumes to that. I mean, back when Jack, when Jack did it, the, the technology obviously wasn't what it was today. It was obviously better than when he first started playing, but obviously the ball and the, the, clubs give these guys a distinct advantage at that age compared to what it did back then. I think the perfect example of that is, was it Bernhard Langer a couple of years ago at the British Open ended up in a playoff at the eighth? I mean, what was he, like 60 or something? He made it into the playoff. Yeah, man. Eventually lost in the playoff, but I mean, that that's again another thing where the the new golf balls and golf clubs just give these guys such a, a better chance to still compete, especially on a stage like that where you have a course that is playable for everybody. Anybody yep. can jump up and have a good week. How good is Phil still in in your mind, Nick? I mean, Phil said it himself. I don't think there's any reason not to believe it. He feels like he's playing as good a golf as he ever has in his, his entire life. I mean, he had four consecutive top tens earlier this year, I think, and he won the, the World Golf Championships in Mexico, which was his first win since 2013. But you watch him play, and we see plenty of his shots on TV when he's playing. It, he, he's the old Phil. He has that that streak where he'll make, you know, four or five birdies in seven holes, but then he'll hit one silly shot that makes you scratch your head and he'll make a double or a triple to kind of bring him back to reality. But not, I mean, that, that guy just goes out and he tries to win every single week and tries to hit every single shot that a lot of us wouldn't even try to hit, but hey, he's playing as good as anybody and has just as good a shot to win. Amazing Phil Mickelson, uh, Phil Mickelson factoid. He has finished at least top five in one major every year, except two since 2001. So he's just been, he's just, even at an older age, too, he's, he's uh, second place at the Open in 2016, tied for second Masters 2015. All right, I think I know which way you're leaning. I know which way your heart is leaning, but official prediction, uh, golf guy at Boulder Point, Nick Peters, for, for this weekend. Tiger Woods? You know, if, if, it had to, if it has to come down to actually making a pick, not picking with your heart, and actually using your head and going beside the, the Justin Rose pick, I think I'm going to go with Rory McIlroy. Okay, I just he he seems to have figured out something with with his his putting in the last few weeks that's kind of gotten him back to where we all thought he would be. I think his the biggest thing with him and the biggest issue he has at Augusta is he has this is kind of really getting kind of deep down in, into the golf swing, but he leans on his shaft so much with his wedge shots that he he has a real inconsistent ball flight and spin control with his wedges. 
if you ever, if you if you watch him, he has a lot of shots where he hits the greens, where he hits the hits the shots near the flag, but then they spin back twenty feet or they don't spin at all. Where you see most guys have really good spin control, where he just has that that lack of spin control sometimes that leads him to issues. And obviously with the slopes and the the speed of these greens at Augusta, that could be a real struggle for him. But I think we've seen him compete at Augusta enough, and he's he's matured a little bit where he won't have those those runs where he makes, you know, bogey and then gets uh, frustrated and tries to chase down birdies and gets too aggressive. So I think he's going to put that all together and pull off a uh, green jacket to complete the, the major grand slam this week. Judd, golf guy, Nick Peters doesn't just like golf. He bleeping loves golf. Football, football, yeah, football, I love that meat and potatoes breakdown. That was great. That was fantastic, Nick. Uh, well, this should be uh, this should be very fun this weekend, gentlemen. Should we go out with a whisper? Really looking forward to Tiger Woods winning his first major in 10 You're years. You're speaking far too loud right now. I'm sorry. Nick. Maybe I should play this music instead, where it's moving day at the Masters. Who will move into contention for Sunday? Will it be Tiger? Will it be Rory? Will it be Sergio? Looking for his second straight green jacket. We'll find out next on CBS. I can't get my head around that one. I still, I, I can't, I just can't get my head around that theme. Uh, it's, whoever, whoever produces golf music and sports music, like they aren't paid enough. They aren't paid okay. enough. Can I give you guys one more, one more maybe a sarcastic pick here real quick before we're done? Please do. Yes. If, if somehow something crazy happens with the weather and. The, the Masters is shortened to just 36 holes this week, and it's only a Thursday-Friday event. Look for really Ricky Fowler to contend and make a run at the Green Jacket this week because we know that he's a horse on Thursdays and Fridays and jumps out to the lead, but then he just, those last 36 holes, he can't seem to put it together. So if somehow it could start shorten the 36 holes, Ricky Fowler's your guy. I like the hedge there, too. And then, you can, pick. and then if Ricky Fowler wins, you can sort of take credit for saying, hey, I told you, Ricky Fowler. That's what I like to do on this show, too. Uh, that's golf guy Nick Peters at Boulder Point. Good stuff. We'll talk soon. Looking forward to the next few majors, too. Thank you, Nick. All right, fellas, hopefully when we discuss the uh, U.S. Open, the snow has gone here and we're playing some golf outside. Yeah, Don't count it on better it. Be, it better be At bad this then. rate. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Nick. All right, fellas. Be, be well. He's great. It's supposed to be a nice Thursday and Friday, I think, and then rain on Saturday in Augusta. At the Masters. On CBS. Dave, what kind of questions do you have for us next? Three very good questions, including one about the Masters. Phil Mackey. He tells you things, and you're like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Judd Zolgad. One of the greatest screwballs I ever met in my life, but uh, interesting fellow. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. We've just been listening to Jim Nance Masters intros during the commercial break. <laughs> just... Just dripping with pros. So good. <laughs> we get a lot of Jim Nance for like three weeks, and then you don't see him again until football season. You don't, no. He's just does gone. he do anything in the summer? What no. does CBS have besides, well, they have, does he do any other CBS golf tournaments? He does a few, He does right? the, well, do they still have, they still have the PGA, I mean, right? NBC has a lot of the PGA NBC now. now, now, as far as the majors go, the Open is on Fox now. Uh, the British is on... The U.S. Open is on Fox. Yes. Yes. The British Still is black. on the Open NBC, is... right? I think they got the rights to that. Okay. And the PGA. So he. So we won't see him again until the PGA. And some minor tournaments, friends. So you get some Dan Hicks. 
I like Dan Hicks. He Very nice underrated, guy. yes. Dan Hicks is wonderful. Overshadowed by Jim Nance, probably, in terms of name. and I honestly think him and Jim Nance are nearly identical. Aside from the Jim Nance little flowery uh, you know, prose yeah. he likes to put at the end of uh, 72 holes, I think they're almost the same guy. They both do a fantastic job golf. saying they're kind of sort of interchangeable? Yes. Yeah. All right, you got some questions for us? Yeah, but I mean, since you were talking about the Jim Nance oh, intros, I think it. we yeah, should yeah. probably share a little bit for with sure. the people. 2015, Jordan Spieth <laughs> poised to win the green jacket heading into Sunday. He has led here wire to wire at Augusta, setting records every round. Youngest first day leader, 36-hole tournament scoring record, the 54-hole scoring record. And at 21, he would be in the age group setting company of icons like Jones, Nicholas, and Woods. It could be one of the biggest days of history ever at Augusta. Yeah, <laughs> Bring it home! Judd Zolgad on his third co-host at 1500 ESPN, looking to make it five full years from nine to one with Phil Mackey. Could he etch himself into the AM 1500 annals with legends like Joe Suture, Tommy Mischke, Patrick Royce? We'll find out next from 34... <laughs> 15 University Avenue, something like that. See, those are the ones I told you, though. He ta- he can tape those so, so he can be excited <laughs> oh, and yeah. loud. But then when he gets up to the 18th hour, it all changes for him. He's got to go into hush mode. Go into hush mode. Yeah, we're going to be quiet. Ah, it's going to be so fun this he weekend. Claimed, he claimed that there were times where players complained that he was talking too loud. Jim Nance has said that there have been players who complained. Do you buy it? Oh, no. <laughs> no. I think the importance that Jim puts on, on himself is very high, but he's very afraid of that. He does not want to upset the players. I think Tony Romo should just show up on Sunday. Oh, oh Jim! Hey, Jim. Oh, oh, I can't believe he missed that punt, Jim. Now, now you're talking. <laughs> Jim, I don't know. Looks like he's getting nervous. Sergio backs off, looks up at the tower. He's predicting shots. I think he's going left to right this one. I think he's going left to right here. This this is a gentle draw. Oh, this should happen. Oh, it'd be so good. All right, let's start with the Masters. What is stronger? Your love of the Masters. CBS. Or your disgust for the pretentiousness that is Augusta National and the Masters. I can uh, I can answer pretty quickly and move out of Judd's way. I think it's very pretentious. It took them a long time to open up to anyone who's not old and white, and even now, like and they, male and male, right? Like they don't they don't allow phones on the course. Like they're really anal about apparently about what you can yell too. There's reports that if you yell dilly dilly, you're going to get kicked out. If you yell dilly dilly, get in the hole too loud or something. Well, you should be kicked out for that. For getting the hole? Yeah, I'm so tired of Come that. Come up with something original, for sure. Yeah, yeah. if you want to yell something. Yeah, you you so. cannot run at the Masters, too. I learned that this morning on Golik and Wingo. Yeah. Really? You cannot run. They will yell at you and maybe take your pass. Yes. So you, you, can, can, you can only power walk. You must speed yes. walk corner. to your spot on the course. But, yes. once you, but once you get your chair established in a certain place, it can't be moved. And you can walk around all you want. Wait, so you can't move your chair from one hole to the other? So you can. It's like a hotel pool. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> no running, but once your towel is over the chair, that one's yours for the day. <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, but that stuff, as pretentious as it is, I'm going to be fixated, regardless of whether Phil or Tiger. There's going to be enough big names to where it's going to be intriguing on Sunday for sure at the Master. So the question is 
The question is, if the pretentiousness outweighs the the good, is that right, David? Yeah, your love for the masters you know or, the, or your hatred for the pretentiousness, which you is know stronger. What? You know what? It it's not an exact equivalent, but it's somewhat like the the Yankees to me. Like a lot of people just hate the Yankees. Oh, the Yankees, and I sort of enjoy it because it's been around for so long and they've been so good. So so the pretentiousness of the of the masters, not the discrimination part, but the pretentiousness part is almost just justified. You're not big on the discrimination. That's big of you. Well, I'm just saying that I I don't agree with it. All that they've take. done. Okay, it's not a bold <laughs> take. I'm just saying that what they've done is not right. But as far as the pretentious nature of the tournament goes, I actually sort of embrace that. It's cool. So, I mean, if this was an upstart tournament trying this stuff, you would be like, get out of here. You're stupid. Yeah. But they've been around. They're they're like the Yankees or the Celtics or something. There is there is a certain nostalgia to how they approach things. How about that? Judd Zolgad walking through the supermarket. Will he make eye contact with a listener he recognizes, or will he duck away into the produce section? Find out next from Lunds and Byerleys. It's Judd Zolgad. It's sociopath on CBS. <laughs> it's my new platform. <laughs> I'm anti-discrimination. How about that? That's my new. <laughs> that's my running, That's my running platform. Don't discriminate. That's right. I'm taking a bold stance right here. And and, and the scary thing in this country right now. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. This was Jimmy Butler yesterday. We just got to get tougher. We gotta, we gotta play like some dogs with a sense of urgency. The team just do whatever they want against us. I don't like it, but you know. Ain't no coach in the world that can make somebody play hard. Ain't no coach in the world that can make anybody um, want it. And right now, um, in the position that we are, I don't know what, four through ten or whatever y'all talk about in the media, um, everybody's playing for the fight of their life. Like, we got to realize that, you know, as a whole, we got to go out there and, and just beat a tougher team every single night, every single possession. That was about 30 seconds. He could have shortened it to about three and just said, I hate my teammates, mm -hmm. but that's just fine. Let's yeah. say we go truth serum time for Jimmy Butler, boys. A little truth serum. You've got him one-on-one -on -one in a closed-door uh, session. It's just you, and you ask him about some specific teammates. Give me the three to five words he uses to describe those teammates. I've got a few. Are you ready? Go ahead. Okay. First is Andrew Wiggins. Incredibly soft. I would say that, and then I'll add another word. Lazy, entitled is how he would describe Wiggins. Jeff Teague. Um, I think he likes him. So I would say hard worker, competent. I think he would call Jeff Teague... A warrior, comma, but pass more. Tyus Jones. I think I think he would look at Tyus Jones as a D A W G dog in a good way, in a good way. Uh, a guy dog mentality. A guy Butler's age. I think he would just say, "Good kid, good kid. I like that kid." Carl Anthony Towns. Oh. Five words, not not enough. Hall, future Hall of Famer, superstar, leader. He would, I, I think he would, he would give him room to improve, and certainly his defense. But I think he would rave if given truth serum. He would rave about Cat. I think he would say untapped potential, mostly because Towns is still confused and not as active defensively. I think Butler uh, Butler raves about Towns, but gets frustrated with Towns because. 
you know, he just he lapses and he just does things that would annoy you if you're an expert defensive player. Taj. Brother. Yeah. Like any, yeah. I would say uh, brother, uh, you know, warrior, any cliche word that would signify in the trenches together fending off an opposing army. Part of the family that includes Tibbs, Derek Rose. It's all like a mafia family. The the last one is Tibbs. Not what would he say. Do you think it would be different if you asked him, Tibbs the coach, Tibbs the president of basketball ops? I don't know. I think he he's been asked about this before, and his but this is truth serum, Judge. Yeah, no, but this his, is different. Well, his percep his perception of Tibbs in any walk of life does not change. It's always the same. Yeah, I think it's to the point where, like much like Tom Thibodeau only remembers the good about Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler only remembers the good about Tom Thibodeau. Yep, where you, just, you just you block out all the other things, and and you're just loyal to the very end, and. I don't really have a huge problem with Jimmy Butler being loyal to Tom Thibodeau. Well, I mean, it doesn't. Jim, I think the problem from a leadership standpoint is Jimmy Butler operates with with this unconscious competence where he know he's he's like blindly amazing at communicating on defense and understanding sort of two or three steps ahead what needs to be done, but has a hard time explaining that to Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns in a way where they can soak it in. And Tom Thibodeau's got mostly the same problem. Well. The way that you know that Tibbs' coaching style can work with some is, is the fact that Butler has succeeded. He's been great. Unfortunately, Jimmy Butler has the ability to to either process or listen to that style, and it works. Unfortunately for Tibbs and the Wolves, it only works on very few, and that, that's the key thing that we are finding out now. So I think Butler loves Tibbs, and it's justified, but when it comes to the rest of the roster, I think they look at Tibbs and think he's a screaming maniac. Butler sees a method to the Tibbs madness that a lot of guys on that on that roster and probably in this league now have no idea. Final question during the break, Judd, you shared with me a nugget. Apparently the Wolves uh, sent over a little gift for the Minnesota Wild yes. for reaching the playoffs. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. They sent over some free food to them. Some Papa John's pizzas? That is, yes. It was Papa John's, your favorite. Yeah, take advantage of the sponsorship, I guess. Pick a better pie, but that's just me. Uh, so Dave Harrigan po- here for Papa, Papa John's. John's. Yep. Love the garlic sauce. It's the only good thing about it. But, hey, <laughs> let's throw the question to you guys. Do you think that could have been improved on? <laughs> what do you think the Wolves should have sent over, if not for Papa John's pizza? And what do you think the Wild will be sending over to Target Center based on your expectations for how these next four games are going to go? I think the Wild. I think the John's I back. think the Wild much classier, up and down. I think Craig Leopold is a man of fine taste. Glenn Taylor, a little, little more salt of the earth. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say they send over some. Maybe some nice uh, seafood entrees. But to answer your first question, on the Papa John's front, yes, it could have been improved upon, but does it not strike you as classic Tom Thibodeau that, like, that seems like a decision Tom Thibodeau would make. Hey, Tibbs, we want to send over something for the wild. Like, we want to, you know, reach out and be in their good graces. And and Tibbs is like, let's just send the most generic, easiest thing possible to send over that doesn't take any extra time away from me studying basketball film. Let's just send over a few boxes of Papa John's pizza. Cheese only. (laughs) Surprised they didn't do it a day after a win so you can get 50% off your large pizza at (laughs) PapaJohns.com. But yes, I think 
I don't know. Maybe maybe could have classed it up a little bit. Have some black sheep or something. Yeah, exactly. Some red rabbit, you know, something. Exactly. Yeah. Red rabbit's hey. right down the street from from them Cassetta's too. Cassetta's target right center. Up yeah. The, yeah, two blocks away too. Yeah, I mean Let's pizza. Pizza's the great thing to send. I think I think I would have gone with a specialty pie from yeah, uh, Cassetta's or something like that. So, but Phil's right. This this is the ultimate tips. Thing. Make the pies. Get the pies. Pepperoni. <laughs> meat lovers. Meat. Meat. More meat. Tips. Actually, you know what I would have sent him? I would have sent him to the Chris Lindall Cellar Workshop, gentlemen. That's what I would have sent I over. I like it. The Chris Lindall Cellar Workshop. If you are looking to make thirty to $60,000 more on the sale of your home, the Cellar Workshop is a great place to spend an hour of your time and make a lot more money on the sale of your home. In fact, uh, it's happening April 16th through the 18th, and seating is limited, and they're going to sell out fast. So make sure you get in. Call 763-401-SOLD or visit sellerworkshop.com. Uh, the Chris Lindahl team is the number one REMAX results team in America. They understand marketing. The world has changed when it comes to home selling, yet people are still doing a lot of the traditional things that don't lead to profit, leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table. And at the seller workshop, you'll learn the methods that have made the Chris Lindahl team the nation's best rebacked results team. Again, it's sellerworkshop.com, and the number to call is 763-401-SOLD. Mackie and Judd now continue. You're listening to The Wreck. Yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect name for us. We could just switch it right now. On 1500 ESPN. Twin Cities businesses, listen up. Join the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for the 28th annual Dress for LLS. Thursdays in May, businesses across the state will come together to join LLS in the fight against blood cancers. For a minimum donation of just $5, participants earn the right to dress casual or in a company theme at work with prizes for the top fundraising team. For more details and to register your company, head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. Yes, this is one of Dave's favorite mock draft websites. Not, uh, no, it's not. What was the, what's the one? Walter football. Walter That's football-y? the one. It's Walter football. It's Wally football. Wally football-y. Walter football.com. It's not draft utopia. No. What was the other one? We haven't done one from there this year. The, uh, sportsblog.com. Sportsblog.com. Yeah. Does that still exist? It's probably gone. Now. You know where I'm going right now? Check out sportsblog.com. Sportsblog.com. This is from walterfootball.com. They don't even have, like, they don't even do a 1.0, 2.0. They just update the date now. So they probably do it hourly. Oh, yeah. So we don't know what version this is. They're not messing around. But they actually have a six-round mock (laughs) on their website right now. Okay. Quick question. Who stops at six when there's seven rounds? It's a good question. Like, like round seven's really tough to predict. Like, There's what? a lot more comp picks yeah. to it. It's, it's like, a deeper beast. You're dedicated to go six deep. Who's like, okay, but just don't do seven. Not today. <laughs> not today. Damn it, Jim. We're not doing round seven. So I'm going to give you the Vikings' first, second, and sixth round picks according to WalterFootball.com. Right. Okay. I put a lot of work into this, but let's start with the Cleveland Browns. Number one, Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming. Then they've got a trade at number two. With the Buffalo Bills moving up to take Sam Darnold. <laughs> okay. Uh, and make it three quarterbacks in a row with Josh Rosen going third overall to the New York Jets. Cleveland Browns taking Saquon Barkley, running back from Penn State, fourth overall. 
Let's see what WalterFootball.com has. They got to have some other quarterbacks going here. Uh, there we go. Baker Mayfield, 11 to the Miami Dolphins. We skip to the second round. Or to the Vikings. Second portion of the first round, I yeah. should say. It's on a different page. Vikings pick. Where the Vikings picking late in the first round as the page loads and I stall. Oh, the. Uh, WalterFootball.com has is a building. lot of banner ads that are trying to load right now. You're about to get like eight v- viruses on your computer, by That's the way. That will kill your computer, yes. yes. Yeah. They select Worth it. guard from University of Texas, El Paso, Will Hernandez. Ooh. The Vikings just gave Kirk Cousins a fully guaranteed contract of $84 million. They'd be foolish not to protect their new quarterback as well as possible. And they currently have a hole at one of the guard spots. Will Hernandez, if available, would be a terrific solution to that problem. I believe that would be a Matthew Collar endorsed pick if it was made. Has he already speculated, on, speculated the, the on the UTEP guard? On Will Hernandez, so yes. Right. We skip to the 62nd overall pick, according to the WalterFootball.com mock draft, where the Vikings fortify their defensive front from Fort Hayes State. Uh-huh. Defensive tackle Nathan Shepard. The bio says... There have been reports indicating Sharif Floyd may never play again, which is a shame. He's not under contract either, so. Uh, Sheldon Richardson was signed, but just for one year. Here's a long-term plan at the position. Mm -hmm. And in the sixth round, according to WalterFootball.com, the Vikings might have, do they have more than one six-round pick? There's a lot of loading going on here. They might at this point. I really don't know. Still loading? Wally Football. (laughs) Your computer's just going to crash. Wally there's like be, be porn ads going, on the right be better side off of the going to a porn site than this. <laughs> I mean, it is a football porn site, if we're being honest. Let's go, Walter, because I've got one I just pulled up. Oh, wow. According to WalterFootball.com, the Vikings drafting 250th uh-huh. overall in the sixth round here. Quarterback from Memphis, Riley Ferguson. I want to mock. Mock. I want to But that's not all. I want to mock. Mock! <laughs> I want to mock. Mock! Because Dave Harrigan has pulled up a mock draft from sportsblog.com. Sportsblog.com? Sportsblog.com! Fire away. Number one overall, Cleveland Browns quarterback Sam Darnold. Number two, Saquon Barkley to the Giants. Wow. Number three, Josh Rosen goes wow. to the New York Jets. Number four in, that's right, a mock trade as we have it labeled at wow. sportsblog.com. Sportsblog.com? Sportsblog.com. Josh Allen to the Buffalo Bills. We look further down, or further down, we see the Arizona Cardinals at number nine in a mock trade. Pick up Baker Mayfield, wow. Oklahoma, and all the way down to 30. There's no mock trading here. It is the Minnesota Vikings selecting out of UCLA offensive tackle, Colton with a K, Miller. I want a mock! Mock! That according to sportsblog.com. Sportsblog.com? Sportsblog.com. It is that oh, mocking the season. The excitement's just... Did I hear correctly that we have tandem mockage on ESPN.com, too? Yeah, Mel Kuyper and Todd and McShay? McShay going head-to-head. Were they made aware that they were both releasing mock drafts on the same day? I feel like that should be a... I don't think you should like, tell... Into the, their I don't contracts. think they should be told that. I think that they, they probably hold the form much more so if they think that they're going to be released individually. This I mean, is if, I'm Todd Mc, if I'm Mel Kuyper and now my 
spotlight is being encroached upon by this up-and-comer. I'm not happy. A Mel Mock and a Mick Mock. Same day. I can't get over that. Yeah. We'll get to him tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be... I mean, there's, it's too much for today. Tomorrow. There's just not enough show left. It's going to be splendid. There's really not enough show Look left. Look at the sock game by Mike Tirico on Golf Channel right now. He's ready for the Masters on CBS. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Is that Paulina? I don't know. We're, we're oh, back tomorrow. I got to watch this. Judd's distracted.